were listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. <laughs> Glad to be back. It's good to have you back. Yep. I you were back from Hawaii. Was, I was in Hawaii for a few days. So my question is, how can you be in Hawaii for a week and not have a sunburn? So here's the thing. I only was in the water for a few days <laughs> because then the, the waves got so big. And but you were I, surfing. Well, I was attempting. I'm not a surfer. It's I, like I fishing. Realized. If you're attempting, it still counts. Yeah, but I guess so. <laughs> you're paddling. I was paddling. Well, I mean, you're I wearing was, Pagan was, Construction Surf Department. So yes, I was. By the way, um, I love the hat. Thank you. It's new. It's not unreleased. It's so you guys out. surfed during the week? Yes. And? So I was in Hawaii. I surfed. I'm not really a surfer. The waves were too big. 20-foot waves? Yeah. I wasn't in the water at that point. I was in the water when the waves were little, little, little <laughs> mini coopers. And then it went into full-scale school buses. Like right. I'm not kidding. You could fit a school bus in some of these waves. That's unbelievable. Yeah, nah. So while you're, I think I'll enjoy my life in Hawaii. Yes, Russia invades Ukraine. Yes, and what begins as um, massive troops lining the border outside of Ukraine ends up being um, a um, shameless act of war. Yeah, so things escalate, and Putin says he's there to keep peace. Right. And it, it's a very um, um, peculiar way of, of being a peacekeeper by engaging a peaceful country in war. Yeah. In Hawaii, it's interesting because there's so many military bases. Mm. So, you know, when we flew in, I had called you and told mm -hmm. you, like, landing, you see all of the fighter jets. You see all of these military, you know, I don't what are they, like, freight planes and all, like, all of this just activity. And it seemed relatively dormant you know, mm -hmm. normal, just military bases. And then when Russia invaded, all of a sudden you see all of these Humvees everywhere. You see much more activity going, military activity going on. It was a little eerie. I mm -hmm. felt safe, but if, but it also felt at, at, at some point, I'm like, okay, well, we're the furthest you can be into mm -hmm. the ocean to Russia and China from the United States. And it, and it felt a little ominous at times. But there's a lot going on. Yeah. FIFA hit hit uh, Russia with with a huge with a huge uh, ban. And, Men and women's it, and clubs teams cannot uh, participate in the World Cup this year. And also the EU, the U UEFA. I don't know how to say it. UEFA. FIFA, so and, FIFA UEFA. and UEFA. Okay, and there's yeah. like Remus and Romulus. Right? Yes, and so they both decide to, to ban, ban Russia. Russia, which probably has implications in. Millions, hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of dollars. Yeah. And I never think of FIFA as an organization with a real strong moral compass. Yeah, they haven't had a great <laughs> track record with ethics. Yeah. And so this is, to me, really surprising. It is. And I think probably- It's a new page. Very surprising to Putin. I don't know if he um, estimated the global response that he's getting right now. Do you think he cares? I don't think he cares, but I think he'll care about how those um, consequences affect his popularity in Russia. Yeah, and a few other things happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, within within soccer, the Premier League, Chelsea is owned by uh, Roman Abramovich, which is, he's a huge, I think he's worth like $13 billion or something. Mm. You, can you fact check that, Brooke? I think he's owned the team for 20 years, but he- He's, he's young though. He's he he looks great. Mm -hmm. I think he's in his fifties. So he's mm. owned it for a while. Okay. Um, he bought it young, and then he's trying to pass off, I guess the 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 owner, not the ownership, but the. What I heard is he, he he was putting the um, the management of the team under the foundation, but I guess the foundation has not accepted that responsibility yeah, yet. No, and so it, it could be really interesting mm. if if the Premier League, I mean, F, so the FIA, part of Formula One racing, right. which I'm really, I love uh, during COVID. Of course. Uh, I think like so many Americans got yeah. into Drive to Survive. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan. Mm -hmm. But the American team, Haas, the American-owned team, Haas, uh, their primary uh, sponsor, I, I wrote it down in my notes, because it's, it's uh, a little hard to say. Is Haas American or are they German? Because the name Haas sounds German. They're, I think they're, I, I want to say they're- uh, American? No, they're an American. Okay. I'm sure, I mean- uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering. Your name is Erwin. Yeah. So that's so that's also, a German name. Okay. All right. You're now from we're getting personal. Okay. I'm not getting personal. I'm just saying, <laughs> look, things have, like the world hit boggle a few, 
few decades ago and everyone's everywhere now. But uh, so Formula One. By the way, your name is Aaron and that's a Jewish name, but you're not from Israel. You gave me that name. <laughs> you decided. I had nothing to do with it. Um, you're all Kali, which is the primary sponsor of Haas. Uh, the sponsors the team and also sponsors the driver, Nikita Mazapan, who they, his nickname, and this is not, this is sad. The kid gets a lot of hate. His, it's hard enough. There's only 20 drivers in Formula One. They call him Mazaspin. <laughs> because he always spins out on the track. It's his first year in Formula One. Those cars are fast. It's hard. But they're considering dropping him from the team oh, because wow. his father is actually the CEO, I think, an owner of Ural Kali, mm. who's the primary sponsorship. I mean, Formula mm. One is the most nep has is the primary case of nepotism yeah, in absolutely. that sport. You have yeah. to be wealthy. And elitism. And elitism. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they're thinking about dropping him. They already took, they stripped off the um, the sponsorship logos off the Haas car for testing last week, and I think in, wow. in Spain. So it's a pretty big deal. And I th I think the FIA is considering like banning all Russian money from the league. Mm. So that'll be really interesting to see. There was also a Russian tennis player, Andre, Andre Rubli, who wrote no, no War Please on a camera. Oh, you just showed me that. In the semifinals in Dubai. Mm. Which is, a, it, it was a beautiful act mm -hmm. but how do you how do you uh, russians all over the world must be so torn yeah and, and i think people need to realize that you're not free to protest in russia no like in, in the There's, united states you can protest whichever side you're on but if you're in russia and you're protesting this war if you're protesting putin's actions uh, you could lose your life you could lose your freedom you could lose your future uh, the implications are limitless um, for negative consequences. So the fact that if you see hundreds of people protesting, if not it's thousands very, of people, it's very brave. It, it's incredible and lets you know that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who hold the same positions, but um, just do not want to place their families under that kind of, under that kind of danger. Right. Because, you know, even if you're a Russian, I imagine if you're a Russian living, are you okay? I imagine if you're a Russian living outside of Russia, it's still very dangerous for your family that lives in Russia. The ramifications of your actions or your words or going public could have direct effect to people that you love back in the country they come from. Yeah, now I'm just reading how, um, I guess Putin has hired the Wagner Group and where they've, did you read this? They've mobilized around 400 assassins to try to assassinate Zelensky in Ukraine. Did it say they hired assassins or they hired a paramilitary group to go and find? They were a paramilitary group of assassins. And the article I read said they hired assassins. They called them mercenaries, the mercenaries. Wagner group. Yeah. Well, we have lots of those in America. Okay, but let's, let's not go there. No. No, we do. No, we do. We, do have, we have mercenaries, paramilitary groups. We yes. have uh, yes. And you're saying they're assassins because you're saying they have direct intent what, to kill what, the what, what does it say, Brooke? They're sent to hunt and kill Ukraine's president. Who is okay. posting this? Uh, is it on Business Twitter? Insider. Jack Dorsey tweeted this? No, it's on <laughs> Business Insider. All right. So if mercenaries have been hired to go assassinate the president of Ukraine, I think I'm within my um, linguistic rights to call them assassins. I am not disagreeing. I'm just asking for some more clarity, clarity <laughs> and to, valid, to verify the information. I do find this. My whole point is that if he's willing to do that, and that's just within his normal purview of being a dictator, um, what would he do to his own people? Can I bring some things up? Sure. Do you feel that it's fair for people to be punished, the Russian people globally, to be punished for what Putin is doing in Russia? Absolutely and in not. Ukraine? You think it's unfair? I think it's unfair for um, Russian people around the world to be punished unless they are receiving economic benefit from the Russian government. If you are gaining your wealth in relationship to the Russian government, then I think sanctions are fair. Okay. But if you're uh, a Russian uh citizen even who's living in another country and you're you're making a living as a doctor or you know as a, as a restaurateur or whatever it may be i think those people should be treated with the same level of dignity and respect you would treat anyone else in the world because for me i think yeah, I mean, it's, it's a complicated because yeah. this even this kid in formula one nikita mazapan like yeah. 
it makes me feel sad for him because obviously like right. he, he got the driver's spot because his dad sponsored the team. Right. But, but there's a lot of money in Formula One and there's a lot of big businesses that sponsor because it's a big platform globally. Mm-hmm. Do, I, do, I, do I want him racing for Haas? I don't care. Right. But it, it does make me sad that his chances will be hurt because they're stripping away their, their ability to, to sponsor. Right. There's dirty money in a lot of different companies and it feels now that it feels now that the that Russians have a gigantic target on their back. Yeah, it's tricky because we have a lot of people who we even heroize in our country whose wealth has come out of dirty money. Right. Like and, who? Well, I mean, let me just pick one that would be more of a cultural icon, like Jay-Z. Ooh, I got and, 99 problems. No, and I'm just saying that where your money starts is pretty much never in the end how we decide whether a person gets to keep that money or uh, or or um, multiply that money. Right. So if we're going to apply that kind of criteria around the world, right. we should be ready to apply it here. Right. And I don't even want to go into, you know, Donald Trump and his family money or, um, I mean, I, frankly, there's a lot of people whose yeah. wealth... Didn't Nancy Pelosi get in beginning. trouble because she's trying to like end the ability for congressmen to like invest in the stock exchange, but her husband does all of her stock investments. She's like yeah, heavily it's, invested it's, it's in it. It's all connected. And it, it'd be Pelosi speaker of the house, right? She, yeah. Wasn't she also, it was really interesting because this is just straight up dirt and tea. <laughs> like before dirt and tea, this is dirty tea, <laughs> dirty gossip tea. <laughs> No, but one of my friends, they go to Mosaic, mm-hmm. is an airline steward, mm-hmm. but for private jets. And during COVID, when she was like, do not travel and all these travel bans, she was flying her private jet back from San Francisco to DC. And my friend was on it being like, you know, this is insane that <laughs> this, like one, how is she paying for this? But two, like no judgment, but also like, what the heck? Like you're saying we shouldn't travel, but freaking traveling and I'm having to travel because you're traveling and trying my company. I'm grateful for the work, but not grateful. <laughs> Back to no? the subject at hand. Okay. We're what not I, going into this. No, uh, but I do think it's a, a point that when we're mad at a certain nation, we need to be careful to not apply that to all the individuals. So you're saying I shouldn't dislike all Democrats because of Nancy Pelosi's actions. That's right, Aaron. And all Republicans because, because of Trump's, of Donald Trump's actions. actions. That's right. The, oh, wow. We would learn so much if I we just like uh, could Sesame apply that right this now. This is already Sesame Yeah, yeah. This right is here. ABC right here on how to treat people with dignity okay. and, uh, and how not okay. to develop um, prejudices. So going back to Russia. So I think sanctions, even across the sports and entertainment world, are absolutely legitimate yeah. when the wealth is connected to Russian um, wealth and government. Okay. And, but if it's not connected to it, then I don't think that should even be in the conversation. It becomes really complicated now though, right? Because it you, is. Because it isn't, because the world is so much more integrated than it used to be, yeah. right? It is, it's, it's, I think it, it used to be easy to villainize a certain um, countrymen mm-hmm. to go, you know, the Russians are the enemy or the Chinese are the enemy. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? If China's the enemy, then what happens if, when all of our iPhones come from China? What are you talking about? <laughs> then all of the Nikes that you yeah. wear come from, you know, like they come from, are they still made in China? A lot of them. Yeah, yeah I believe so. We can't be so singular. Yeah. Like we have to think dynamically. Yeah. But but I think, no, go for and it. And one of my friends said. Yes. Um, Can you name said friend? Well, there was a guy named Leonard Sweet who years ago said, I don't care about a money's legacy. Yeah. I care about money's destiny. Interesting. Because in a sense, it's almost impossible to right. not find yourself in some way with dirty money. Right. You know, and, um, and, and one of the great challenges is if you spend your whole life going, where'd this money come from? You actually are always working backwards rather than where's this money going forward. Right. And so maybe a lot of the economic questions with Russia have more to do with, does the sanction hurt F1, does the sanction hurt the drivers in the company, or does the sanction actually hurt the Russian government? Right. And so maybe that would be my my breakpoint, which say, 
because, you know, I mentioned a few people along the way, um, and I care less about the legacy of their wealth than I care about the destiny of their wealth. My heart goes out for the Russian mm -hmm. soccer players, mm -hmm. men, male, female, mm -hmm. both all the club teams, everyone's connected. Because it goes, you, you can't control that you were born in Russia. Yeah, that's and, right. And really, you have no say over what Vladimir Putin does. Yeah, the, the, the citizens really have very little so, to say with, about how their nation is governed. And it becomes really tricky, right? Because it's yeah. saying, like, we're really what the world is saying is we're not accepting the way that you operate your country anymore. Yeah. And that if you're a citizen, what are you supposed to do? Like, if you're supposed to be representing your country, you're no longer able to represent your country. Yeah. Your country that you don't, your country that you can't control that you were born in, mm -hmm. you can't control the way it's run. All that you can control is the the ability and the with and the gift that you're given to mm -hmm. like to be a good steward of it. But then you can't compete on a global level. Yeah, and I think that's what they're saying. If Vladimir Putin, yeah, if you're going to engage in war, then your nation is going to be cut off from the global community. Do you think that it's 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 the global community, like fi FIFA, finally? Like well, because it's even deeper than that, yeah. right? It's, it's all of these. It's all of these sporting communities. It's, it's, it's these Swift. banking communities. Yeah, it's Swift. Swift. Yeah, with the banking systems across the world. I heard a rumor that Switzerland might actually choose a side for the first time. This is very interesting to me. Wow, that would be um, a historic first. But it's the global community going. We've accepted this for too long, and we're no longer accepting the way that you operate. Yeah. Um, Switzerland actually officially announced that it's going to freeze Russian assets. Wow. wow. So interesting because that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Yeah. And I'm, I wonder how that's going to affect my, my assets in Switzerland. <laughs> well, you're not Russian. <laughs> and, and you don't have enough money to have it in Switzerland. And I don't have any money in Switzerland. So I'm just, I just thought I'd try to big so time I it. Think yeah. okay. <laughs> I think you're okay. I think you're okay. All right. So, so here we are. And <laughs> so there's what a, a dynamic moment you have. Um, I've even heard some people like uh, I think Condoleezza Rice um, uh, was just being interviewed. I heard Mitt Romney on CNN being interviewed. I, um, they were saying that they felt that Putin may be unstable, that he may have had a psychotic break, that he's struggling with extreme paranoia and some other aspects of mental illness. They've and, been hanging out with Biden. And uh, Sorry, and our former president. Yeah. <laughs> they've, been, they've been in the steam room too long. <laughs> and uh, and um, I'm sorry. And so there's been some concerns here because he has nuclear arsenals available to him. Yeah. And and so I, I that that's a deeply concerning uh thing. No, that's very serious. And and on top of that, um this is a, th this feels like an irrational war. It, it feels like Hitler when he was attacking Russia and overextending his troops and not factoring in the winter that would destroy his um military power and and you you saw a point in Hitler's own thinking where uh, you felt he moved from this evil mastermind to this really demented and irrational, um, uh, psychotic leader. And just wondering if this is what we're watching on a on a global scale uh, with Putin. I mean, I think when we start getting into the the conversation of like nuclear arsenal, mm -hmm. they're arming their nuclear arsenal that they're that they're right. engaging their safety precautions. Which is pretty dangerous because he sees peace as war. Yeah. And so he would, he would see engaging his nuclear arsenal as um, using it. You know, the conspiracy theorist in me just goes, how is, did this perfectly line up with the end of COVID? <laughs> no. Would, would we consider this, we're close to the end. I can't. I haven't seen a single Ukrainian person in any footage wearing masks. Is that what you mean? No, no. I'm just saying that it feels like we we leave a global pandemic to then under the crisis fade into another crisis. Russia invades Ukraine. This is not a small thing. This is a big thing. Yeah, but then I, I read the most bizarre thing. I think it was John Kerry saying that he hoped that the Ukraine conflict wouldn't just yeah. wouldn't distract us from the real crisis of climate change. <laughs> and I'm like, John Kerry, are you on oxygen? What, what is wrong with you? He's gotten a lot of a lot of pushback for that. I, I mean, this is the same John Kerry that was flying private planes while telling everyone we need to be more aware of our our carbon emissions. And 
And you, by the way, I think humans are intelligent enough to handle two crises at one time. Well, Joy Behar on The View. I don't agree. I don't know if that's, no, what did my she say? goodness, wow, about okay. Italy. You're going yeah. deep. What did she say? Joy Behar on The View has been really lit up, speaking of dirty tea, Aaron, because she basically said that the attack on Ukraine inconvenienced her travel plans to visit Italy. Because cause COVID prevented her the last few years to get to Italy. She can finally go. And now this war. She was like, what's going to, why prevent me from going? What's going to happen there? Yeah. Wow. I saw Talk about I elitist problems. Yeah. Um, you, you, gosh, you just hope people <laughs> would be able to fake empathy better. <laughs> I'm sorry to take it there, you guys. We can go back. Okay. No, it's all right. This She's is, on the view, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a very short-sighted view. It's a very different the view. short view. <laughs> is a, she not gonna, she's not going to have that view much longer, I don't think, if she might have to, yeah. All right. So Let's rein it in. We've already talked about Ukraine. We've talked about Putin. We, we've stated pretty clearly our perspectives on, on this. Um, you know, as Mosaic, we... Um, have been raising money to help people who have had to run for their lives, the families that have 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 to leave their homes and and are now seeking refuge in surrounding countries. And so we're trying to be at least a small part. And Mosaic's of, raising money. Yeah, we, we are. At yeah. mosaic.org slash Ukraine. Yep. But what are you doing with the money? We're, we've um, identified very um, – Small, very small kind of organizations that do direct work with people. Is this through our friends Sasha and Ross? Yeah, and and some of it is on the ground in in Moldova. Yeah, because you know, I mean, Sasha's Moldovian, his wife is Russian, and they um, are the ones that came and said, "Hey, we'd like to start doing something," and they gave ten thousand dollars. And and um, and I, I think for us, it's really important that the church be present because a lot of times Christians give to a lot of organizations. And then later people say, yeah, but where was the church in this? And, and the church was everywhere. They just didn't know we were working through United Way. They didn't yeah, know yeah. we were working through the Red Cross. Yeah. They didn't know we were working through all these organizations. So I think it's also important for us as followers of Jesus and as the church to be present and to alleviate human suffering so people know that God sees them yeah. and so that we're there for them. Giving money to help shelter refugees. Yeah, food and shelter, just yeah. basic stuff right basic now. Stuff. This, this yeah. is just... Uh, short-term survival needs, yeah. helping people deal with the tragedy of this moment. That's yeah. incredible. It's a very interesting th scene to watch play out, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is the first time I think in history, or really one of the first times in history where you're watching this on TikTok mm -hmm. and on Instagram live, and you're watching real people post videos in real time, and the world is watching, and the world is responding, and the world is dissatisfied with the behavior. And I think I think this is bringing to to look at to, to look at the goodness at in the yeah. darkness to go like I think this is bringing the world closer together that people are going Russians do not hate Ukrainians no. the Russian people do not hate the Ukrainian people right. and that we have to you know I said in the last podcast I I'm embarrassed of the, all the things that I ranted in the last podcast but I but I did say burn the yachts I said, it set the yachts on fire and see how quickly things start to change. And it and it's crazy that within the four or five days, that's what they did. I mean, that is what F1's doing, what FIFA's doing. What it's They're Uf taking the money away. UFA is doing. UFA. You know, um, they're basically burning the yachts. And, um, and you know, just a side note, um, I've been like working through this concept for a few months and I'm making kind of a hard right turn here, but it's still connected. Um about the power of story and yeah. the stories that we tell ourselves. And you and, spoke on that yesterday. And so I, I, I spoke on it this past week and, um, and, and I just started laying out different stories that we tell ourselves that we find ourselves living within. And I thought it was amazing that, it, and I'm not even sure if I know how to say his name right, but it's uh, Molodymyr and um, who? And the, the president of Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zelensky. 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 Yeah. We don't, let's not go for the full name. We'll never get it. <laughs> no, give me a second. Yeah. Yeah, Volodymyr Zelensky. I like the accent. Yes. Yeah. Why, why the accent, though? Because I'm Spanish. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <Please>. and, uh, <laughs> I just can imagine your mother saying Vladimir. And, uh, Volodymyr. His name is Volodymyr Zelensky. And I was... Um, um, so surprised that here is this president who was a comedian who became an actor 
who did a TV show where he played a regular person who becomes the president of Ukraine with this party that doesn't exist except in the universe of the show. And then I guess with a party that reflects the party that didn't exist on the show, he actually becomes the president of, of Ukraine. So that how many people write a story that isn't real and become the central character in it, and then it becomes reality, and he's the central character in it. He played the president of Ukraine, and he is now the president of Ukraine. And, and I, I saw that in the middle of grappling through this concept of the the stories we tell ourselves. You know, this is almost a perfect metaphor yes. of the power of a story. Yes. That the story that you're that you're telling yourself, the story that isn't real right now, is being written. And you're going to be living that story, whether you realize it or not. And a lot of us have internal narratives that are so self-destructive. And I feel like even the pandemic has created a lot of um internal narratives. People have been by themselves a lot. People haven't been in healthy community a lot. And what happens in healthy communities, it helps mitigate our own negative voices, our own dark voices. And, and I think the reason we have so much depression and the reason we have so much anxiety and the reason we have so much stress and the reason we have uh, so uh, much um, out of control um, suicide and, and, um, and drug use is that we've been by ourselves telling ourselves the worst stories about ourselves. And we've been trapped inside of them. And so I just, and I, I looked at the scriptures and, and, uh, and one of the things that I've always been fascinated by was the stories in the Bible that the people in the Bible lived within. Because we always think of it as like one big story, but there's a lot of smaller stories in it, a lot of sub-narratives. And, yeah. and so I just went through and, and extricated five significant narratives that most of us at some time or another uh, may live within and many of us are trapped within. And, and, and it was kind of funny because after I was done um, here in Hollywood talking about the, uh, the stories we tell ourselves, people were identifying each other by the story that they're in. Yeah. And I did think it was interesting that almost like the first person said, you're this instead of like saying, I'm this. Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was sitting yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, one of the results of one of the narratives is that you're a blamer. <laughs> you're always looking outward at what other people do. Talk, talk. Yeah. Do you want to talk through the five, the six different categories? So I know I had five categories. Five categories. Yeah. And so I had the victim, I had the martyr, I had the innocent, I had the hero, and then I had the servant. And but you uh, called the innocent something else. That's why. I said yeah. Six. And, and the, the five kind of went back and forth because it is the abdicator. Abdicator. Yeah. And that's probably a more descriptive term. I was just trying to think of the psychological narrative inside of a person's head where they always feel like they're innocent of any problem. They're not, you know, they, they've done nothing wrong. <laughs> and, and, and so I kind of laid those five out. Like the victim is the person who always has life happen to them. And, and I said, the great problem with being the victim is that usually you've experienced a trauma that legitimizes your feeling of being a victim, Yeah. but you also let that trauma define you all your life. Wow. And, you know, and just in a quick summary, the problem with being a victim and living in the victim narrative is that you're never living in your story. You're always living in someone else's story. Because as long as you're the victim, you're a side note in someone else's story. You have to actually relinquish the right to be a victim and choose a new story to no longer be in that other person's story, but your own. We were talking about this a little bit last night and this morning, like you mm -hmm. need to create some kind of personality test or assessment. Yeah. Assessment that like breaks down, you know, which, which one that you are and which one that you are in your best moments, your worst moments. Yeah. Cause I think we were talking about it, like, Oh, I've been moments where I've been the victim. Yeah. I've been moments where I've, been the abdicator. Yeah. Moments where I've been the martyr. Like, yeah, moments where I've been the martyr. And moments where I thought I was the hero, but I wasn't the hero. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so, because I think it'd be really interesting to hear people mm -hmm. kind of talk about that. Yeah. And, I, and it, the, the discussions afterwards were really funny. It, it was. And in fact, this other young couple, um, the girlfriend says to the boyfriend, you're the martyr. <laughs> yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, I, I can be, I can yeah. be a martyr. Because <laughs> the, the martyr believes they're the only one in the world who cares. They're the only one yeah. trying to fix yeah, something. Yeah, they're, yeah. You know, it, it, and they're alone in the cave and yeah. they feel like God's abandoned them. Humanity's abandoned them. But the problem with the martyr is they actually 
think less of other people. They, they, they think no one else cares as much as they do. No one else, you know, is as noble as they are. No one right. is as courageous or as kind or as generous. And so it's not just what you think about yourself, it's what you think about others, which is why you're the martyr. You just, you know, and so your life ends up being a life of suffering and sadness and, and, uh, and you wonder why others don't see your sacrifice, but you're actually extricating all the joy out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh no what so, am i and uh, well i'll let you what decide you, that bro? i don't think it's healthy to tell other people what they are no, let's, let them let's do it let's play themselves. the game <laughs> well let, let's identify the, the other three real quick the, the abdicator is like the the punches pilot who washes her hand hands and says i'm not responsible this is not my problem this is not my responsibility okay so the abdicator not, is a person who never does anything wrong okay they just never do anything right okay they don't do anything bad they just don't do anything good and then the tricky thing is when I got to the fourth one, the hero, you, I could just feel the room leaning in going, finally, my narrative. <laughs> and I said, hey, before you jump into this one, let me describe it first. And um, because I, I used Herod as the description of the hero. And by the way, and Kim, your mom, uh, pointed this out to me, the word hero is inside of the name Herod. Yes. And, uh, and um, the narrative of the hero is, I'm the hero. I, I'm the hero of my story. I'm the hero of everyone's story. I'm the, and uh, I'm what humanity needs. And the problem is if you actually think you're the hero, you're not. <laughs> you're, right. And because even if you look at great stories, the person who thinks of the hero is usually the really terrifying villain. Interesting. It's Bane. It's the Joker. And uh, it's Putin. Putin believes he's the hero. And that's the thing. His narrative is that he's the hero. We might need to find a more positive, some more positive things to talk about within this personality and, test. And then the fifth this one. Is the villains of the Bible. Yeah, and uh, the fifth one is the uh, the servant. Yes. And the interesting thing about the servant is that's actually the narrative of the person who truly is heroic. And, this is Jesus. Well, um, well, and it's when we're, of course, most Christ-like, right? Yes. You know, it's when you're actually a hero, you're not thinking about yourself. Yes. You're thinking about other people. Your narrative is not, I'm the savior of the world. I'm God's gift to women. I'm like, right. I'm exactly what this moment needs. Yeah. Uh, you're actually thinking, I just, I'm just doing what has to be done. Yeah. Like the true hero, the servant, doesn't think they did anything that no one else would do, but everyone else knows that I would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, right. and, and so we kind of laid out those five different archetypes um, within the stories we tell ourselves. So why are four of them negative and then the fifth one's the right one? <laughs> well, I think that um, the reality is that most of us tell ourselves negative stories of ourselves. Interesting. And so this is not who you are. This is the story that you've been telling yourself, which is shaping who you are. And because uh, ultimately in the end, um, God wants you to live a life that is truly heroic, truly noble, truly full of compassion and, um, and kindness and integrity and filled with hope and love and joy. So what do you do if you're the victim? You stop. So um, is the goal to be the servant? <laughs> I can't, I don't understand the rules of this game. <laughs> okay, let's break this down. Would the goal be to be the victim? No. <laughs> no, the goal is to be the hero or the servant. Uh, no. If you really no, want to be no, the hero, no, you got to no, be the no, servant. No. no, the goal is not to be I'm the hero. I'm so confused. The <laughs> hero is the person who's a narcissist because they have a view of superiority over them, over themselves, over the world. You all know those people who pretend to be the servant, <laughs> but they're just trying to be the hero. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it's not that you don't want to be a hero or to live a heroic okay. life. It's that the most dangerous person is the person who doesn't try to do what's right. They think whatever they do is right. Oh, they become the source of truth. Yes, they're the source of goodness. Ah. They're the source of all that is um, honorable and worthy of of, okay. of praise and affection. I yeah. I I like this game kind of. We're gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> my challenge to you is gonna. Be, can you do a positive version of this assessment? <laughs> I think, right. and then I think I'm. I think I'm either the victim or the martyr. Mm-hmm. And in my worst moments, the hero. Yeah, it's true because you never actually are the abdicator. You never wash your hands of things. No, because I do always do bad things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so clearly that I was like, you did the wrong thing there. And it's like, yeah, I did. Right. It's so, not like I never do anything wrong. So let, let's not say which one we are. Let's say which story we spend more time in. Oh. Does, does that help, Brooke? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Brick, if you look it's back like over your life, oh, trying I'm to get sorry. the lowest score, <laughs> which story would you feel like? Like, if a story had a magnetic pull for you into the 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 darkness, um, which story pulls at you the most? Probably the innocent or the abdicator. Yeah. The yeah. One. Like when you sent me that DM that some or that about the, the we're gonna, plagiarism we're issue, gonna get to, but we're you didn't do want to deal with it, so you let you sent it to me, so I would deal with it. But we'll have a great conversation in an upcoming battle ready about um, why intellectual. I can't see you smiling, but you're smiling, aren't you? You're smirking. <laughs> just letting you know. Just letting you know what's coming up. Uh-huh, so you did anything wrong? You just didn't do anything right? <laughs> why you like, oh my goodness! This took such a turn. <laughs> Because no, that's a perfect <laughs> this example. This is awesome. Someone sent you, someone misusing my intellectual property. Uh-huh. No, someone using your. You're saying misusing because no. you don't like that he said it the way he said. It. Yeah. Okay. Someone <laughs> so, got a zero, and use it as their own. Uh huh. And someone sent it to you. Correct. Yes. Now, if you had not been the abdicator, uh-huh. you would have responded immediately to the person who did it. Oh no, I wouldn't do that. Exactly, because you're the abdicator. But I, I don't know what you want. I don't, I don't want to like offend or do something that would make you unhappy. Like Brooke, why See, are never, you DMing people, <laughs> ragey? I, I never think that. <laughs> no, you don't have to be ragey, but you could, you could go. Oh, this was not right. This person did something that wasn't right, and I should let them know. As I feel, I feel, I feel, vic- I feel punished. I'm now the victim. <laughs> <laughs> I've switched but to a no, victim but, mentality. No, but it's interesting, Brooke, because I, I don't think those thoughts. I go, like you sent me the the message. I listened to it. I was I was driving to dinner. I was having a nice night. There was no reason for me to step outside of my lane and do it out of what I was doing for that evening to just mess up some people. And but I saw the I saw your message. I read it. I listened to his message. It was fine. And then I sent him a DM. And I felt I didn't ever ask myself, do should I? I was like, no, I am. Does, I will do this. Does the hero include, is like the light side of the hero mentality, the protector? Um, no. Yeah, the, the, the servants. Um, this test is dark side of the force. I want be, oh. to be a protector. That's when, when I see Aaron yeah. respond to something yeah. on your behalf. But you yeah. knew what you did. What? You sent it to someone that I, you knew. I'm not would, sending y'all anything. I got else. it. <laughs> Nothing else. All right. No, we're just having fun here. We but are. I do think this is okay. The reason for them are negative and one's positive is because the my intention of unwrapping these stories is to get people out of the negative stories that they're trapped inside of. I wish we had an overwhelming abundance of hope in the world, but we have more despair and depression. I wish we had an overwhelming amount of optimism, but we don't. We have an overwhelming amount of pessimism, cynicism, and skepticism. I mean, I wish that people did not struggle with having a positive self-regard. I wish that people had a deep sense of value, of esteem, of importance, but most people struggle with a sense of insignificance, with a uh, lack of confidence, with uh, low self-esteem, and feeling that they're worthless. And the reason is because when we're the ones writing the stories, we don't, it's odd, but we write the wrong stories about ourselves. Interesting. This is the anti-autobiography. And what I, and the reason the, the servant is so important is because it's the narrative that gets you out of the other narratives, which I did not mention this past week. So we're doing a little added, um, you didn't, you didn't mention it. I, did, I didn't mention that the reason this narrative is so important right. is going to get you out of the other ones. I like this thing. I think there should be some more positives on the other things. Like, well, like, if I'd had time, I would have walked like more well. I would have walked through like what what the um, the positive um, aspect of that narrative. Why that person um, both stays in that narrative, unfortunately, and how that person begins to look when they come out of it. Right, to be. You know, really, really significant. I think it's fascinating. But -hmm. but it's like this happened where everyone was just kind of making fun of each other and having a really interesting, in-depth And Austin's staying really quiet. Because he's trying not to get got right now. Get him. Get Get him. him. So, Austin, is there like a narrative that has pulled you more than another? Yeah, probably the martyr. The martyr? Why? Uh, Good question. 
So let me ask you a few questions, agnostic questions, um, Austin. Yes, sir. Uh, If when you're in the martyr kind of narrative in your life, do you struggle with feeling bitter toward other people for not doing their part? Absolutely. Okay, you are truly a martyr. (laughs) 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 Because I would say that would be one of the critical dynamics of the person who carries that martyr narrative. Yeah. And do you feel oftentimes unseen that people don't see how much you're sacrificing? Yeah. Okay. And, and doesn't it help to kind of realize, oh, that's an internal story that you tell yourself? Absolutely. And because you, you want to make sure you want to move from being the paper to being the pen in a sense, right? You know, when you're the paper, the story's been written on you. And then when you realize, oh, no, okay, I am in this story, but I have, I have the power to rewrite the story in a different way. And that's really good. I like that. Do you guys I, have a personal example for Austin, maybe, that you could draw on? Accuse me and, as an example. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, think, I think this is probably helpful for the people listening even, you know, just thinking about um, in your own life, would you fall more into the victim or the martyr or the abdicator or the, the hero? And, and, and um, this is really the worst the moments, right? Um, it, it's I not, don't really think you can put the servant in the same box because the servant has no bad things. It, it's it's a narrative. It's no, a story you, you tell yourself of I'm just where you go, you know, my role in life, my goal in life is to serve people. Right. Uh, my purpose in life is to is to do good. And as you begin to to tell yourself that story and live in that story, your life just becomes richer and more full and uh, I think more extraordinary. But I feel like you put them on a round table and really the servant is what we all need to try to become. Yes, it's like- And the other four are the things that we sit in when we're not being the servant. Yeah, these are four narratives I'm trying to um, transform into the one. Okay, so the, the four, know? it really should be, you should, you should be put into four categories. And then how do you strip away or add to, to become more like the servant? Yeah, I just, it's, or no. it's just, you don't agree. well, no, I, let's say like this, you have five voices in your head. Yeah. And you have to decide which ones you listen to. Okay. And so all these voices are in your head. And, and one, can become louder and louder based on how much attention you give to it. Right. And so if you give the martyr voice in your head, a louder, louder voice, that becomes a reflection of who you are. But you always have within you the servant voice that's saying to you, um, you know, live your life for others. You know, don't worry about how it plays out for you. Trust, even like trust God, you you know? Yeah. And that if you do the right thing, God uh, will always return that to you in a beautiful way. I love this. So it's this it's fun. really the voices that are within us that that haunt us, that pull at us, that may even at times torment us. Interesting. I'm scared to say things now. No. <laughs> no, but I do think I think for everyone listening, I think there's something that this would be a really fun exercise. Yeah. If you've made it this far into the podcast, take a few minutes, reflect on the four categories. The fifth one is what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. It's, that's the voice you want to listen to. The voice you want to listen of you. to. But, but sit within those four categories and kind of go, okay, in my worst moments, what, do I, what am I leaning to? Am I, the, am I the abdicator? Am I the hero? Am I the martyr or the victim? And then kind of reflect and take a moment. Comment these in, our, in, in the post for this week. I think that would be really fun to discuss. Go on Instagram and, and comment which one you resonate. Just throw yourself under the bus a little bit. Well, it's funny because um, the night before I did this um, talk, I was talking to my friends and she's Italian from Albany, New York. I'm not going to say her name. Yeah. And uh, she's married to another one of my great friends. And and she and we were, I was teasing her about the mafia and uh, being yeah. Italian or anything. And she yeah. starts telling me the history of the mafia. And at every point, the mafia was the victim. <laughs> Everything she said, I said, I feel like you're giving me a very skewed history of the Italian <laughs> people. <laughs> and uh, and then she started and then. She used a statement which was incredibly like the victim, and I said, "Hey, stop!" She goes, "Why?" And I said, "Because I'm I'm talking tomorrow, and I don't want to be tempted to use you <laughs> as an illustration." She skipped her on Sunday, but now it's landed here on Monday, and she will hear this podcast. She goes, "No, don't use me, don't use me," and but a lot of times, and you you've been with me for decades, you know, all your life, and you know that. I've traveled the world, I've interacted with people, and within seconds, uh, at most minutes, I can know things about people people don't know how I know. It's very, very frustrating. And, and what I did in this- And insightful. In, 
in this structure, what I did is I gave people some of the practical tools of how I listen and know things about people they don't know how I know. And so I've learned how people describe themselves inside of these narratives, inside of these stories. And I can know almost immediately who they are, how they see the world, how they see themselves, how they explain the problems in their life. Okay. Fun little game. Okay. I'm going to throw out world leaders and you're going to put them in the categories. <laughs> Trump the is fun. the hero. Oh gosh. He always thinks he's, he's the hero. He thinks he's the hero of every story. So everything he does is right. He can't possibly do the wrong things because he's the hero. Barack Obama. Um, see, I, I, I think Barack Obama, whether you agree with his political positions, is more self-actualized and actually um, more often not use the language of a servant. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Vladimir Putin. Well, I mean, he's a sociopath. Maybe. <laughs> no, but don't no, put him with the categories. I, I put him again in that hero in that category. Hero. It's yeah. interesting, isn't the it? The story he tells about himself is that he's he's fixing all the problems in the world. The great danger with Vladimir is, uh, you know, on a first name basis, is that if he ever decides he wants to bring world peace. Yes. Because the way he will bring world peace is world domination. Yeah. 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 Um, Biden. A lot of, to me, Biden's language is the abdicator. Hmm. And uh, he, he washes his hands of problems. And, and, uh, and, and frankly, a lot of President Obama's language in the first few years was an abdicator. He blamed most of it on He on kept blaming president. Bush yeah. for every problem he faced. And every time his decisions didn't go well, he blamed it on Bush again. Yeah. So I heard, a, I wanted to be more gracious to President Obama, but I say I heard a lot of abdicator language from President Obama over the years. But so. I do think he grew. He did. Over and, eight years and then yeah. four years after not being president. Yeah. His, I think his public perception and his, even the way he uses his voice now is so much more growth. Yeah. yeah. And so politicians oftentimes are very much abdicators they, or, or victims. They blame other people for their mistakes or their problems. And, and then they wash their hands of things when they go, this isn't my thing to fix. Not my not problem to solve. Okay. Zelensky. President I, I think Zelensky is right now um, almost like the unexpected manifestation of the true servant. Interesting. And when the U.S. look, U.S. wanted to extricate him out of Ukraine, and he said, "I don't need a ride. You know, I need a gun." Yeah. And this is maybe my little cynical self. The United States wanted to remove him from Ukraine because it puts less pressure on us as a nation. Because if he will run, it's okay that we ran. Like if, if he can, if he leaves Ukraine, it's okay that NATO never let them in. Yeah. His staying in Ukraine indicts the lack of courage of all the other decisions that were made before Russia invaded Ukraine. Decisions were made before this moment that emboldened and empowered Putin to invade. And Zelensky decided, I don't know when, and I don't know how, he decided that Ukrainian freedom was more important than his own life. He decided that the role of being president was not positional, but that it was moral. And even risking his wife and kids, he has a beautiful family, he chose to do the right thing. Even knowing that the likelihood of him surviving and living is close to zero. Um, I have incredible admiration um, for this man. I think this was a fun episode. I really enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing, but I really enjoyed the last 15, 20 minutes of, <laughs> of this breakdown. Uh, I think, so we're, the next episode, we're probably going to hit plagiarism and how people borrow your ideas. Okay, and if you're going to use to, this framework. Oh, we're going to do it now. If you're going to use the victim, the martyr, you know, um, yeah. the abdicator, the hero, the servant, could you at least like mention that you heard it on Battle Ready? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then it came from over here. I'd be really grateful for that. Okay. But we're going to hit plagiarism on the next episode, I think, and kind of talk about a funny situation that we had this last week. Did we already go into it? We didn't go too into it, Not right? Not too much. No, I, no. I'd like to just have a conversation as an artist. Yeah. As, um, as a person whose ideas are my contribution to the world, why it matters to me and why it's important to honor and respect intellectual property okay with that said oh it's gonna be spicy 
I can't wait. Um, okay, thank you for listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. You can rate and review this podcast. Hey, do me a favor, guys, and rate and review this wherever you are listening. If you're on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, hit subscribe, leave a comment. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go and just take a second. It would really mean a lot if you just rated and reviewed this podcast. Give us five stars, leave a little comment, what you like, favorite episode, I don't know. It would really be helpful. And on Spotify, you can do the same. And just a little announcement, uh, our Anchor, which is, uh, we host this podcast on Anchor, which is owned by Spotify. It's really a cool platform. But they turned off all of our sponsors, all the people who give to the podcast each week. So there's a couple hundred people that were giving each month to kind of build the podcast. And so what, what surprised me is I was emailing back and forth to Anchor they're figuring it out. I, it was kind of annoying. They wanted to turn on subscriptions. I didn't want to because I wanted to communicate this before we did it. And then they messed it up. And then I was like, okay, you messed it up. Just turn on subscriptions. But we didn't really want to do that through Anchor yet. We were kind of figuring it out. I just want to thank every person who's been bombarding me with emails and DMs being like, what happened? I was giving. I want to keep giving. Thank you guys for giving. Thank you so much. Like, we're just really grateful. It's really special that you're giving to something. We've never, I don't think we really ever asked for it. We just kind of nah, we never. throwing it out there. But we're really grateful that you've contributed to this podcast for the last um, little bit. And we're excited and looking into new ways where people can contribute and give towards what we're doing here and building this thing. Um, we had our one millionth play recently. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. One plays. That's incredible. That's can we give a Come little on, bit? Guys. Come on, guys. That's exciting. That's so good. And it's been really cool watching this podcast grow over the last few years. So, mm. hey, it's been a joy. I want to thank the, the men and women in the booth, Brooke Odom Figueroa, for just being an amazing voice in this podcast and Austin St. John for keeping us alive, connected, so we can see us, listen to us, and enjoy us. Um, I'm really, and thank you, Dad, for just bring it, breaking down your wisdom weekly. I oh, love it. Man, and uh, just again, I want to thank everyone who's ever given and contributed, and we're really grateful. And we do this because uh, uh, we love to do it, and we just love being in your life and in your world. We and do. We'd like to, hopefully we add something to it. Yeah. Okay, if you made it to the end, we love you. See you next week. Have a great week.